Kenny Chesser Podcast. I am your host, Kenny Chesser, and today we're going to be continuing our Adventures and Preaching series with two sermons, uh, one of which I preached as a part of a revival last month. The other was a youth service that I preached. One of them is expository, the other is topical, and it may surprise you which is which when you hear one of them was in a youth service and the other was um, as a part of a revival. Uh, the names of the sermons, one of them is The Paradoxical Position for Victory, the other one is The Devil's Diss Track. Oh man, you probably already got an idea in your head, which is which. Um, but uh, I, I, before we get started, I do want to say this. Um, I, I went a week without posting. I had recorded or started recording an episode last week. We were down in Florida on fall break, and so our days were just filled with spending time with our kids. Uh, the only time that I wanted to record was a day that I uh, we, were, we had been babysitting for some friends, and my kids went to the pool, and the baby had fallen asleep, and I was like, I'll stay and just listen for the baby to wake up. Up, and while I'll do that, I record the podcast. Well, he woke up in the middle of the podcast, and now the kind of, the podcast really doesn't make sense. Um, and so I just scrapped it. So I'm sorry if I left you hanging. I was hanging with my kids. I did have two podcasts released last week that I was featured on or I co-hosted. It just wasn't the Kenny Chesser podcast, so I apologize. Maybe I've got a little too many irons in the fire, but I'm loving life. I love my kids. I love vacation time. And so that is not an, uh, not an excuse. That is my reason. And so today, let's buckle up and get to work. I don't know. It seems to me that he shouldn't be saying that. As we're getting started today, shout out to OK Touche. I mentioned them on the the podcast that never seen a lot of day last week. Um, that we were down in Florida uh, on the fall break, and that's where they live. And we love John and Cassie. And so, in the original podcast, I said be be looking for it, but now it's already posted. Let me just say, go ahead after this episode if you're not already subscribed to OK Touche. Uh, OK Touche, make sure you're subscribed and check out that that last episode featuring yours truly. And 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 I have to say, this one kind of hurt a little bit. My wife making her podcast debut on the OK Touche uh, show. And uh, I had asked her repeatedly to be on mine, and she kept turning me down. <laughs> and so she was just getting me back for all those times she asked me out when we were in high school, and I turned her down. <laughs> no, no, no. If you know me, you know that's not true. <laughs> but anyway, um, she she was very comfortable with John and Cassie, and their podcast is just tailor-made for couples to come in and do what they do. And obviously, it's so much fun. I was able to be on there. Uh, last year, earlier this year, I think around uh, uh, the fall, we was down there for spring break. And so now on our fall break, we were down there again. And man, we got um, my wife, Misty, to be a part of that. And the, the topic was great. I think if you like that show, you're going to love this episode. It's Don't Google Your Symptoms. And Misty, with her medical knowledge, was able to step in. And I'm not going to do any spoilers. You have to go and listen to it. They're also on YouTube now. You can find them on YouTube and you can watch us. You can watch us um, uh, Debate this point of whether you should Google your symptoms or not. And man, it was a lot of fun. Again, shout out to OK Touche. And then I mentioned before, I did another podcast last week or that was released last week, and that 
was with my good buddy James Crocker on the Pros Before Bros podcast, which is now on Apple. We would uh, had been waiting for approval. We are now um, on the Apple podcasting platform. So make sure you subscribe to that one and leave us a review over there. Um, I, we're excited. We recorded with a, um, a, a guest, our first guest on the show um, this past weekend, and it's going to be released next week. But it's another longtime friend of ours. Uh, and so we're keeping it with the bros. Uh, his name uh, is Ramsey, and uh, you're going to like that episode. He is a lot of fun. And so make sure you're checking those out. I'm, I hope I'm not... Oh, just burdening, burdening my listeners with, with uh, content. Um, if you have to make a choice um, to listen to any of those that I recommended, I recommend you listen to OK Touche. <laughs> I'm selling myself out just right down the river right now. But no, I'm joking. I'm thankful that you are listening to the Kenny Chester podcast today. And uh, we want to um, keep up our, keep our, our, our content going forward. Um, in the vein of adventures and preaching, and that's what we're talking about today. And so the first message I'm going to cover today is the paradoxical position of victory. Now, this is the topical sermon I preached as a part of Revival. The reason it's a topical sermon is because I developed this a few years ago, um, and I've, I've taken a surgical uh, knife or a scalpel to it several times, and it's gone through a few renditions of a title um, and a different jumping-off point when we get to Scripture texts. And so I'm going to be talking about the latest rendition of this. The first rendition was preached as a part of a series. Um, I want to say it was 2019, maybe. I think it was 2019. Um, we did a, or it could have been two. 2020, um, but we did a we did a series called "It's a Great Day," and the series idea came actually from a former pastor of mine in Knoxville, Bishop Billy McCool. And in the 70s, they were ex- experiencing a bit of a downturn in the uh, in the economy of there at Knoxville. He'd been uh, pastoring there for. Uh, at that time, multiple decades. Now it's been you know close to fifty years of that church existence, maybe even longer. Um, but they, I guess it is longer. They started that church I think in the fifties in Knoxville. But anyway, it was during an economic downturn, and he was trying to bring hope to his city. And he just he he got it in his spirit to declare. It's a great day. They had a, a television broadcast, and uh, they were probably on radio uh, stations as well. But he just kept repeating, "It's a great day. It's a great day. It's a great day." You know, in Knoxville, it's a great day at First Apostolic Church of Knoxville. He even went as far as putting it on a uh, a banner and having a plane fly it around the city of Knoxville just to uplift the spirits. And um, my pastor and good friend, Brother Corey Porterfield, uh, heard this story and just got all over him uh, a few years ago. And so we did uh, kicked off the beginning of the year with a series called It's a Great Day. And I was honored to uh, be a part of that series. He asked me to preach and asked me what I was thinking, if I, you know, what it would, could something go along with that theme? And I said, absolutely. We, uh, I had this I, uh, thought that I've been praying about, about uh, surrounding victory. And so I preached It's a Great Day for Victory. In it, I pointed out some things that um, was uh, uh, that is now encapsulated in the title, The Paradoxical Position of Victory. And I talk about victory, but I talk about two things specifically. One of them, and it, it's, it's paradoxical, and the other is that it's positional. And that's why the, the alliteration in the title of those two P words is that it's paradoxical and it's positional. So again, without preaching you the whole message, the, it, it stems from this... Um, story in Joshua where after the death of Moses, um, the Lord spoke to Joshua, and he wants him to lead the, the campaign into Canaan. And you, if you know any biblical history at all, 
history of Israel, this is the conquest. This is where they have they Moses had led them out of Egypt, the great Exodus, which lends its name to the book, the second book of the Bible. And now after the death of Moses, it's time for them to go and possess the land. And so um, God is talking to Joshua, and he's given him them some uh, some great uh, promises. He said, every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that have I given to you, as I said unto Moses. He, he, and he's, he's, he's basically commanding them to go and dispossess the inhabitants of the land and take the land. And so the uh, the, the idea of the, uh, the sermon is that there's an older lead, a leader that has basically stepped off the stage of history and he's he's this new leader is is commissioned to lead the people of God into a new um error. And so this kind of fit our church at the time because uh, it was just a few years after we had made the pastoral transition between um, our bishop, who are, I mean, who is our bishop now, but Corey's dad, uh, G.H. Porterfield, uh, to Corey. And I, so I started off talking about how the, the same people that, that Joshua's leading are the same people, you know, that come from the same stock of, of uh, you know, and have for, gener- uh, for a generation have told the stories about all the things that God did through Moses's leadership and through all the, the things that they seen, the miracles, you know, of, of the Red Sea parting and, and, and water that poured out of a rock and manna, miracle manna coming from heaven. All these things, you know, the pillar of, of fire, you know, the, the, the cloud um, that, 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 followed them. Um, all those things, you know, were miraculous. And so now it's a new leader, but the same miraculous God, the same God of that's that's all powerful that can help them. And so that's the 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 basis or how I started the sermon. But then I get into how we um the promised victory that that the Israelites had were, were were two things specifically. It was paradoxical and it was positional. Positional is probably the main thrust of the message, but the paradox basically is simply um, something that looks weird that don't look like it could be true. Uh, if you want to know a, a good basic uh, definition of paradox, it's a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement. It's a proposition that, when investigated or or explained, it may tr- it's 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 proven to be true what it initially looked like it couldn't have been. That's a paradox. So you look at something, it's like, oh, no, no, that can't be. And then you look at it closer, and it's like, oh, wow, that is. And so at f- the first part of the victory that the children of Israel had to ex- experience was very, very weird. You know, like, how are, how are they going to defeat Jericho? And, you know, Jericho had these famous walls. If you, if I just at the mention of the name Jericho, you think of Jericho walls, you think of that, that battle there, but it's, you know, it's synonymous with this fortification, this idea of these huge walls, um, that were protecting this city. And so, you know, you think when you, you go into, you to have victory against a city like that, you think of the very, um, intuitive, uh, methods and means of victory. What are those things? You know, well, maybe heavy artillery. You know, whatever we had, siege making devices, battery rams, uh, giant wooden horses. You know, were popular back in the day. <laughs> you know, you hide your armies in and leave it as a gift. You know, those were the those were like in the idea, the psyche of of, of the victors. You know, these are at the our 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 ways that we can win a fortified city or, or have victory. But God's victory was paradoxical. It didn't make sense, and it looked kind of absurd, but it actually was proven true. And at that time, you know, God just had them obey His Word. He, he was looking for obedience. He wasn't looking for the most ferocious warriors. He was looking for somebody that would obey His Word, even if it didn't make sense. And so I, I chronicle how 
the command came down for them to to uh, to march around the <laughs> the, the walls. Uh, you know, victory by ring around the roses, basically. You know, and it's just can you imagine how weird that looks? You know, how how uh, contradictory um, that would seem to a army uh, that that you know this ferocious you know. Uh, you know, all powerful army, uh, uh, you know, that had seen, um, the Red Sea parted and seen, you know, the God of that world, uh, Pharaoh at the time, his army is completely decimated or, or, or destroyed. You know, you see this and it's like, these guys are just marching, you know, what's, what gives, but it, it doesn't look like it should be victory, you know, but it was victory for them. And so I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that, but that's kind of the point that I made on that part. Talked about how God's victory on the cross, when Christ robed himself in flesh, when God robed himself in flesh, when God was manifested in the flesh, as John 1 and uh, 14 says, when he won victory on the cross, it did not look like victory. It it did not it did not look like you know it looked like he was losing. You know, it was the opposite of, of victory as far as the optics are concerned. You know, he's bleeding, he's dying. Um, but that's how he won victory. Every every part of that humiliation and crucifixion was securing other victories for us. You think about the, you know, the prophecy. It says, you know, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we're healed. Well, every one of those great victories for us come at the cost of seemingly a defeat for him. You know, wounds and bruises and stripes. You don't think of those as necessarily, you know, positive things, but it's paradoxical. It won us the victory. And so um, I quoted from uh, Romans, and again, this is where the topical nature comes from, even though I'm continuing with the theme. Maybe it is maybe it is a little bit uh, expository. I haven't worked out all the nuances of it, um, but I feel like it was more topical. I wasn't really thinking of, of, of doing it when, when I was preparing, and I was not thinking of doing it in an expository way. Um, Paul writes in Romans, he says, uh, what shall separate us, or who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as for sheep for the slaughter. Here at this point, I stop and I'm like that don't sound like victory. <laughs> you know, that sounds like really, really bad. And I'm like, what are the things? Uh, well, uh, tribulation, distress, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. You know, killed, slaughtered. All these words that don't sound like victory. But he says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, think about that. It's like, okay, we are conquerors after those things, but that's not what he says. It's in all those things. While those things are happening, you're winning. And that's why your victory is paradoxical. It's because you're winning no matter what it looks like to the to the observer. You don't matter if you're being killed, don't matter if you're, you know, starving through famine, you're you're naked, you know, without clothes, all these things. He says, no, we're more than conquerors in those things through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's just it's just crazy to me the language that he chooses to associate with victory there. You know, and that actually takes me into my next point. Again, I'm not trying to preach my content building uh, uh, what uh, how this sermon was built. It takes me to the next point. That is a paradox, but it's also positional. How are we victorious in those things? Well, we have to be in Christ. In Christ. It's it's positional. And so I go I throw back to um, what uh, Joshua, uh, before uh, they, they start the battle, 
<laughs> Jericho. Uh, the scripture says there's a there's an angel, the Lord of uh, you know, uh, angel of the Lord of Hosts. Or I'm trying to remember the exact uh, scripture how it describes him. <laughs> and he's he's sitting there. And Joshua, he's a young buck, man. He's ready to fight. He runs up on this guy. And he's like, Hey, man, you with us or you with them? You know, he's ready to throw down right there. He's going about to throw hands. <laughs> and and uh, and I love it because it's a yes or no question. So you with us or them? Uh, you know, or or, or a, a B question. You know, he gives him two options: you with us or against us. And the angel says, nay. <laughs> and I love when the Bible does that. It doesn't answer uh, like you think it should. Um, it just says no. And it's like, I'm, and he goes, I am, I am the captain of the Lord's host. I think it's what the, the language is now that I say it. I think it was the captain of the Lord's host. And, and basically he was saying, no, no, man, no, you got it wrong. I'm like, uh, you know, God's got a mission and you're going to have victory if you're in line with God's mission. So it's not... Joshua and the children of Israel versus Jericho. It's God's people <laughs> versus Jericho. Are you going to be with God? Because that's 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 the position of victory. And so that was the second uh, part of the message. I talk a lot in this message. <laughs> There's a lot of scriptures. I'm not going to do all that because I'm not preaching. Uh, but for that church and that revival, uh, I felt it in prayer. Uh, I said some things I'd never said before, left some things out of the sermon prep. I want you to understand, I'm not married to anything when I write it. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love it. I wouldn't put it in there if I hadn't felt it at one time or thought it was good. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm not married to an outline. It's there. Uh, because I feel like in prayer you can be anointed. You can still be, you know, preparation is not some, you know, lack of faith that God's not going to put words in your mouth or you're not going to be anointed or led by the Spirit. It's not of that. It's just, you know, you. It's it's faith that God can do what He's going to do there. He can do it, you know, days and weeks and months before while you're preparing and praying and writing it. And so. I go through a little, a few things about how in battle, military victory position um, is 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 key. Um, in, in the art of war, it talks about seizing the high ground. I, I reference that. I talk about why that helps because a position elevates you to a place where you can see better. Um, superior position limits the effectiveness of the enemy's weapons. Uh, also, it it it, it, it it amplifies the effectiveness of your weapons if you're up in a higher place. All these things are preaching points. All these things you could preach probably a sermon within itself. Just on that thought, this is one of the the issues that I have when I'm preaching. I have too much content, um, but like again, I'm I'm probably over prepared. That way, I can leave some stuff out. Talked about how it wasn't children. The children of Israel wasn't promised victory without obeying God, and we find that at the next battle, it's the battle of Ai, where Achan did something that God told him not to do, and that was to to. Um, Keep the uh, unholy thing. Keep the thing that God said not to keep. He he brought in some temple um, instruments and kept them for himself. And he defied the, or defiled the camp of Israel, and they lost the battle. So right there, it's you're not promised victory when you disobey the word of God. It's positional. You have to be in line with God. I told this great story um, about the man that in, uh, invented the, or he's supposedly invented the chiropractic techniques about how the, he, he, he was, uh, he tried an adjustment on a bent over janitor who was also deaf. And when he popped his back into his place, when he, he got the, the spine or whatever it was aligned that he, the guy could hear again and talked about how, when one part of the body is out of line, out of whack, um, the other parts of the body suffer. And that's the same thing with Aiken, the battle of, uh, every, the whole army lost the battle. It wasn't just AI. I mean, it wasn't just uh, Aiken that was killed. His disobedience, his being not in the position he was supposed to be in, his out of alignment calls somebody else 
you know, defeat. And that's what, that's, you know, that's, and I talked about that in the church. It's like, man, we need everybody to get in their position. That's why we're the body of Christ. You can't say, well, because I'm not, you know, if the eye says, because I'm not the ear, you know, I'm not part of the body. Or, or uh, if the hand says, because I'm not the mouth, I'm not a part of the body. You know, Paul deals with that and says, this is, this is bad thinking. This is not something that, that makes for victory. You know, this is something that we need one another. And so that's basically the message in a nutshell. I thought it went very well, had a great response, man, had a very uh, sincere and deep move of God in the altar that day. But that was the paradoxical position of victory. I had other things I said. I talked about where he says your feet, you know, the, the, the sole of your feet shall tread. That word tread doesn't mean just where you walk. It's actually a military term that means to march, to trample beneath your feet. So that way you mean that if you could just wherever your feet went, that means you could backslide your way into victory. And that's not true. Um, you, it's it's military. It's marching on purpose. It's, it's, it's militant. It's, you know, uh, following orders, that type of uh, tread, Duroc. And I, I probably made a corny joke about the uh, rock Dwayne Johnson. So. <laughs> okay, so that was the paradoxical position of victory. Um, the last one um, that I'm going to cover today, and this was actually an expository sermon. It doesn't sound like it would be because it's in a youth uh, service. And uh, the uh, the idea is the devil's diss track. And I will say that I was kind of I, I was kind of cheap on this part. I know what God was dealing with me about. I knew that it was a godly message, um, and and so. I probably probably messed up in the inception of this because I knew that I could use the story of Nehemiah to make some of my points. And so I went there as a jumping off spot and then I got convicted while I was preparing. I was like, I'm just going to preach the whole book of Nehemiah. And uh, not again, not to say that topical preaching is bad or you can't um, bring in other scriptures and cross-reference. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I think I was already feeling guilty because I kind of had the idea and I went to the Bible. And again, that for my first episode, that was like the big, a big no-no is like, don't take your ideas and try to find support in the Bible. Um, you don't need to use the Bible to preach your message. You need to let the Bible use you to preach its message. And so I kind of felt a uh, little uh, like I got the hor- uh, horse before the cart on this one. Um, and so I, I did what I normally do when I when I want to do expository. I just started reading and studying and praying uh, and digging out. And so the the result of all of that was this message called the Devil's Diss Track. And so um, briefly, I'm not, again not preaching. Briefly, let me tell you how the message came together, like how it was built, and the ma- the major points, and then how I thought it went over. Um, here's the idea: uh, the book of Nehemiah starts with uh, the title character Nehemiah uh, serving as cupbearer uh, in a foreign nation. Um, this is after the exile period, and so. Jerusalem has been uh, devastated, um, and the the inhabitants have been led away captive. Now, enough time has passed now where there are people returning to the capital city, and Nehemiah gets word from people that had been to Jerusalem and came back, and he was very curious of what's going on there. And so starting off in in chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, I go through that. And he talks about, he's like, I'm very anxious to hear, tell me what happens. And the report came that there's great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, the gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. Okay, if you know this story uh, at all, you know that Nehemiah is very heartbroken, broken up by this. And to the point to where he had never been sad in front of the king, he was the cupbearer to the king, and the king noticed his sad countenance and said, hey man, what gives? And he tells him what's going on. Now there's a lot of preaching points on this, and I have explored most of them. (laughs) 
or at least most of the ones that are uh, my, that have uh, caught my attention. Um, but for for the sake of what what's um, the 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 thinking and the preaching of this message, I wanted to to, to bring out that it was um, they started with disgrace. And so here's the idea of the message in a nutshell. The enemy wants to to do certain things to the people of God. And so uh, I, I chronicled this story, and they started in disgrace. So they started with a D-I-S, disgrace. Now, the the corny part of this, and it might not be cool as I, as I used to think I was cool. <laughs> I've learned now that I am definitely not cool, definitely not cool to this next generation. And so um, the idea back in when I was in youth ministry was to try to, you know, think of a cool, clever little title that somehow um, tapped into uh, youth culture. And so if you don't, if you don't, if you know anything about rap culture, you know that there's a thing called a diss track and it's when two rappers are beefing, I think is how they describe it. It's where they are basically having a fight rather than just like, you know, settle it the old way where, you know, where you just get shot, you know, Tupac and <laughs> all that stuff, uh, which they had diss tracks as well, which probably led to the shooting. I imagine him and uh, Mr. Biggie Smalls. Um, but anyway, the idea is that you just take it to the studio and you just, you know, you insult the guy you know, on a track, you know, you just, you put it in there, you make fun of his, whoever, him, his, his rapping, you make fun of his girl, I don't know, you know, you just, you just insult him, you, it's called a diss track, and so, I thought, well, this would be cool. Like, what if the devil has a diss track? And then all the things that he tries to do to the people of God, it can be labeled the D-I-S, diss track. So the first one was disgrace. It says, great trouble and shame. The remnant there in the providence have, who have survived in the exiles are in great trouble and shame. So I start with disgrace. That's all right. So the enemy wants to disgrace you. He wants you to fall, and he wants you to be captive. And so he's going to disgrace you. He's going to publicly humiliate you and disgrace you. And so one thing that I did also in the message, and this is something that I used to do a lot of and haven't done... Uh, a lot recently, but I had a guy in the youth group, uh, a very uh, uh, cool kid, uh, the, the actual cool thing, not what I am, but the, you know, the, the cool uh, that knows the culture um, is actually my co-host for Pros Before Bro's son. Um, he, I had him, I, I got with him before and I gave him a list of insults. And so the insults um, were um, based on some of the same language of each of these things that uh, Nehemiah covers uh, throughout his book. And basically it's, it's used, there was two uh, popular uh, care, I should say popular, but infamous characters, uh, Tobias and Sanballat, uh, that keep rearing their ugly heads with with insults through this story. And so every time I'd read a scripture, I'd have old boy stand up in the crowd uh, and like he'd he'd hurl an insult at me that was that was had something to do with that point that they just made in scripture. And so that was the idea of the message. The first one was disgrace that they found them in disgrace. Um, the second thing in in, in uh, chapter two is that it was discouraged after your disgrace grace and you, you're trying to rebuild something. That was like the thing was, all right, now that you've been disgraced, now that you've, you've fallen into sin, what, what, what do you want to do or what should you do? Well, you need to rebuild. And so that's the whole point of Nehemiah going back to Jerusalem was to rebuild the walls. He was trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so when the enemy sees you rebuilding walls that were previously torn down, he tries to discourage you. Um, and I read the scripture about what uh, Sam Ballot and Tobiah had said. Um, and so the next thing they do is try to distress. So we've got dis, disgrace, discourage, distress. Uh, that's in Nehemiah 4. Um, I won't get into it uh, and read it all, but uh, again, kid stands up, insults me. Um, the, the next one uh, was uh, distract and disadvantage. 
Um, they were trying to, uh, uh, you know, basically scare them and tell them that, you know, like there's people coming to kill them. Um, and, you know, they were trying to just basically put them at a disadvantage, distract them with, with, with um, I think at that part, the enemy says, um, at the Jew, uh, said at the time the Jews who lived near came from all directions and said to them ten times, "You must return to us." And, see, they're just trying to distract them. When you're trying to do something for God, trying to build, um, they were just trying to distract, distract and disadvantage. Uh, and then the last thing that I used was. Um, where was it? Disconnect and dislocate. Uh, at the end, when they realized they couldn't stop him through any of those other messages, he tried to get him to come out uh, and meet together at a different place, trying to just get him, get him away from the group. And so, of course, each one of these had different preaching points. And I think I messed up on one of them. I think I used, um, I changed it now to distress, but I think on one of these, I used another word that didn't start with D-I-S, and I didn't catch it until I was preaching. Um, but it, it fit into the bill um, I think it was demoralize. Um, but anyway, that was the, the, the crux of the message. Now you say, Chesser, my Lord, man, that was, you know, how did that go? Um, not great. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I wish it would have went better. Um, we don't get me wrong. The, the kids responded very well. We had a great altar service tears and like you say, well, Chester, what else more could you ask for? Um, there was another situation that came up after that where somebody uh, got upset about what I had said and it was a complete miscon- uh, misconstrued what I had said. Somebody said, did you say this? I said, no. I'm like, well, they're mad that you said this. I was like, well, I didn't say that. You know, check the tape, uh, which I, I, you know, I never have said that. And I would never say that. Um, uh, it was, it was, it was something and I don't want to implicate anybody because they're good people. Um, but it was, it was so funny. Um, uh, after, after, um, the service, they were asking me, like, how'd it go? And this is after I'd been like, kind of, uh, uh sideswiped after, after I thought it was okay. And, uh, uh, my pastor was like, how'd it go up there today or tonight? And I was like, well, I thought it was good. <laughs> but again, I think that kind of proves the message. That's what the devil wants to do. And I'm not saying those people, uh, were the devil. I'm just saying like, that's how he'll use anybody to discourage, distress, distract, disconnect all the things, all the things. And so that was adventures in preaching for those two, um, sermons. We're at 30 minutes today. I'm going to try to get another episode out this week. Again, make sure you go check out OK Touche uh, with my wife making her podcast debut. and She absolutely killed it. It was so fun being with John and Cassie again down in Chatt- uh, or in Orlando. Made me feel like we were back in Chattanooga in those days when we got so close to those guys. So go check that out. Also check out Pros Before Bros now on Apple. If you're not already subscribed and left a review here, I would love that as well. Thank you and God bless. Chesser Podcast. Please consider subscribing and leaving a review.